Over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. It's time for the Chicago Blackhawks postgame show on the Blackhawks Radio Network. Here's Joe Brand. An extended stay in Buffalo ends up extending the Blackhawks' road woes. They get shut out at the Key Bank Center, fall to the Sabres 3 to nothing. Also getting swept in the season series, as John Weideman had mentioned, six straight losses for the Hawks against the Buffalo Sabres and a rough one out at the Northeast region as the Hawks will return home tomorrow, second half of a back-to-back hosting the Islanders on Friday. But first, we will wrap up this one here on 720 WGN. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks postgame show. We're taking you up to 9.30 tonight. But first, we're heading back on out to the Key Bank Center to bring in our pal Troy Murray. He was on the call with John Weideman tonight and broke down this one as Troy, this was, as you mentioned earlier, not much of a lack of effort from the guys, but definitely a, a difference in terms of execution from what we've seen from this team the past couple of games. They finally picked up a win, ending their three-game losing skid against San Jose a couple of nights ago, even though it wasn't their greatest effort. And then tonight, unfortunately, some of those same types of tendencies kind of continued, and Buffalo Sabres now back-to-back shutouts in their book. They've outscored their opponents 6 nothing over their last two games. Yeah, and a little bit of a tough struggle for the Hawks here this evening in Buffalo. You know, they just never got into any kind of a groove in this game tonight. They did have some opportunities early on. The four shots they had in the first period were all really good opportunities, two breakaways, some odd man opportunities. Uh, but they just, you know, they couldn't find a way to score. They just don't have the natural goal scorers that other teams have. And, and you know, you got to find other ways to score goals. They, they they worked hard. You know, I don't think anybody's going to be happy with this because their execution execution in this game was so poor. Their passing was just off. And, you know, they just not never got into a rhythm. They never got into uh, a position in, in today's game where, where they, you really feel that they were gaining momentum. They had an odd rush here and there, but they didn't spend a whole lot of time in the offensive zone. Um, Buffalo did a nice job, and obviously they're playing well. And two teams, the San Jose Sharks and the Blackhawks, struggling this season to put pucks in the back of the net. And uh, they were able to shut out the Blackhawks here. It's just, uh, you know, a, a nice effort by Sauter Bloom. And I think that that's kind of the bright spot in this game because nobody else really stood out in any way, shape, or form. The major that was called on Philip Kurishev wasn't the difference in this game, but it definitely played a factor. And it's kind of interesting. It's now been back-to-back games, Troy, where we've kind of seen somewhat of a similar play. Last time it was against the Hawks with Lucas Reichel getting boarded from Kyle Burrows, and tonight it ends up being Philip Kurishev. Yeah, and and I, you know, I talked about this when. Lucas Reichel got hit along the boards, and Cole Gutman came in and you know addressed the situation. But I I faulted Reichel for turning onto the play there. And in the same situation there, if you feel that pressure, you, you can't turn your back and try and spin away from that play. It just it it doesn't work. You put yourself in a vulnerable situation. You know, just ride it out. To, Put your shoulder down. Take absorb the hit with your shoulder, and and you know brace yourself up against the glass. Whatever you need to do. But Kurashev wasn't going in there to, to you know drill it. We haven't seen Kurashev you know deliver a, a massive hit all season long. Right. But he's got pressure right behind him, and I don't think Eric Johnson recognized that pressure right away. And then when he saw him, he he tried to spin away from it. Well, as soon as he did that, there's contact coming in. Now all of a sudden he's stopped. There's no motion in his thing, except trying to turn around there, and you expose the numbers to Kershev, who never had an opportunity to stop on that play. It was just too close. He was right there. And, uh, you know, Eric Johnson goes inside the locker room, so I hope he's okay. But the player's got to take some responsibility. I talked about this that I was watching one of the, the shows on uh, ESPN when Mark Messi was on the panel, and he talked about the exact same thing. It happens all around the NHL, and players just shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be turning around and exposing themselves, and I'm not sure where this all came into play, but, you know, it just seems like it's more prevalent than ever before, and, you know, you've you got to say, okay, well, you to see the numbers, you got to slow down, but when you're in that situation, and you're 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 going to be finishing your check. Lucas Reichel was in that same position. There was no way that uh, Kyle Burrows could could stop his momentum there. But he's going in to finish the play, and all of a sudden you turn around and you, and you expose the back to you. There's nothing that you can do. So you got to take some responsibilities on both sides of the ice. I understand the call on the ice. I'm not going to criticize the call, but there has to be some responsibility and accountability for the players who turn and put themselves in a vulnerable situation. 
If there is a positive to pull from this one, Arvid Sutterbloom, yeah, three goals allowed, but tough to really knock him on, on any of them. I, I know you and John were kind of talking about uh, Darren Pang's assessment of the second goal. I did switch over for a little bit to hear what he had to say about it. It was kind of interesting because he said, you know, you, you obviously have to give credit to Paterka there for, for being able to finish off that type of play. But he, he said the fact that the puck is behind the goal line. That's something that just can't go in. But I, I never really got the the alternative from him. Like, what could Arvid Soderblom kind of like wrap his body around the post? But is that the right type of positioning for the goaltender in that situation? It it, it was kind of tough to diagnose. Yeah, and and it, I'm not a goaltender, so I mean we'd have to talk to Jimmy Waite um, to see what would have been a better option there for Soderblom. Maybe you know not being down in the in the butterfly position. I mean, just hold your post there, stand up, make sure that you know your shoulders are up at the crossbar, and that short side's not going to be exposed. Maybe just being down a little bit too early there, but you, again, you got to give credit. This, uh, you know, if this was again what I was just talking about with John, if this was. Uh, if this was somebody from the Blackhawks, we'd be like raving and yeah. what a smart play. I mean, if it, wow, if I it mean, was Bedard, we'd be going nuts. Yeah, exactly. So give all the credit in the world to Paterka. You know, I don't know how uh, Soderblom can play that differently. Maybe it's something we can have a, a conversation with before the game tomorrow to kind of get the goaltender's perspective of that. But, you know, you look at that goal, which was a great shot. And then you look at the two goals that uh, Buffalo scored besides that, and they were both three directions, one by uh, Alex Velasic and then one by Gergensen, who was standing alone in front of the net. Nothing he could do on those plays. All right, pal. Great stuff as always. Let's uh, hope you guys get out of Buffalo safely and efficiently, and I'll uh, I'll send you a couple of uh, ping-pong tips from YouTube. You can watch it on the plane and improve your game next time you have to take on Panger. You know, I, why would you... <sighs> Everything was going along so smoothly, and then you had to throw that at me. I gotta, I gotta sit with that now until the next time I play ping pong, and I don't know when that's gonna be. Hey, that well, hurts. Hey, hey, do you, do you want to sulk about it, or do you want to get better? Because you're not gonna get better with that kind of attitude. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, Troy. Safe travels. All right, thanks. That is Troy Murray. He and John Weinman on the call tonight over at the KeyBank Center in Buffalo as the Hawks fall to the Buffalo Sabres three to nothing. And as Troy was mentioning not a, a ton of positives to pull from this one. Uh, you do like Arvid Sutterbloom putting together another solid performance. Um, the the offense really wasn't there, as Troy mentioned. Passing was off. The Hawks really never got into any sort of rhythm. Buffalo had definitely the stronger push in the first period. You know, the Hawks kept it a game until the third period, if you want to pull out that positive. But let's also just point out the obvious, that they're missing a lot of players right now, and they're missing a lot of offensive talent, even when the roster is full. So this is the result of something like that. We've been seeing this team playing better hockey, uh, and I guess the other saving grace is the fact that hopefully if they get back on track tomorrow at home against the New York Islanders, which will be tough, maybe that shows that it's this team is still in the kind of one step, or I should say two steps forward, one step back. I, I brought up that assessment a couple of times, that it's it's earlier this year it seemed like it was one step forward, two steps back. The Hawks have kind of made it more a two-step forward, one step back type of journey. However, the offense has definitely struggled, and clearly, Conor Bedard and Nick Foligno not being here uh, are a huge factor. This team has now scored one goal or less in five straight games. I got this note from Mark Lazarus on Twitter. One goal or less for the Hawks in five straight games. That's obviously in regulation. They had the shootout victory against San Jose in their last game, but also one goal or less in eight out of their last ten games. They're clearly missing a lot of offensive talent right now. That's clearly playing a role in at some points, this team is just trying to kind of tread water and get past these injury pains and these injury bugs that's been playing such a huge factor for this roster right now. Quickly want to give out the phone number, 312-981-7200, because we've got a lot of time on this post-game show. We're taking you all the way up to 930. Not only that, I don't think we're going to get post-game sound, so we're not going to be able to hear from Luke Richardson or the Blackhawks in their dressing room because not 
Many people were out there in Buffalo. I know nobody from the beat was able to go out. Again, it was a travel ban. This team was supposed to play the Sabres last night because of the horrific weather out there. They didn't get that done, so that's why they're playing the game tonight. And they quickly got to get back on the road because they're hosting the New York Islanders tomorrow. So the team's not dilly-dallying around the Key Bank Center. They're getting all their stuff ready to go and head back home to the UC. And uh, I've mentioned this before. The New York Islanders coming to town tomorrow. That's the last home game before the All-Star break. So the Hawks aren't back home after tomorrow until February. Now there's a ton of home games in February. It's going to be a lot of fun at the UC for that almost that entire month. Not to mention Chris Chelios' number being retired against the Detroit Red Wings on Sunday the 25th. Yeah, let's see. Doing some quick math here. The Hawks will have 10 games in February, 9 of them are going to be at the United Center. The only road game is in Carolina on Monday, February 19th. But whole bunch of action going on at the UC, hockey-wise. And the Hawks hopefully starting to get guys back, like Connor Bedard, like Nick Felino, like some of the other guys that have hit injured reserve now as well. Andreas Athanasiu, Tyler Johnson, Nikita Zaitsev, Taylor Radish left this game. He did come back, I, I should say, he left briefly in the third period, but everyone was kind of holding their breath because he's already spent some time on injured reserve, but he did come back in that game. Connor Murphy hasn't played in the last couple of games dealing with a lower body injury, but the Hawks stressing that they just want to be precautionary about that because of all the games they're about to play three and four days, and they'll finish that trend tomorrow night when they host the New York Islanders. Our guy Dexter in Bolingbrook texting in, and again, if you'd like to text in, 312-981-7200. Joe, who would you say is the fastest skater, Connor McDavid? Or Alex DeBrinkett. Uh I, I would go with McDavid right now. Obviously, the Cats got a lot of speed. But, um, man, we saw it firsthand, Connor McDavid at the United Center when the Oilers came to town. And uh, Troy Murray mentioned this last year when we were in Edmonton, how the rise of the crowd that happens at uh, where the Edmonton Oilers play, I believe that's Rogers Place, um, it's just a continuous, elevated, audible increase that you can just hear as he takes the puck, as he skates down the ice. And he said, boy, that reminds me a lot about Wayne Gretzky. I thought that was just a, a cool note to compare those two. Obviously, Connor McDavid will probably go down as a hockey legend as well. I don't know if he'll end up getting to Gretzky's caliber, but the fact of the type of impact he has playing in front of the Edmonton Oilers crowd is definitely reciprocated. And uh, we're starting to see that with Connor Bedard, too. I know he's been out for a couple of weeks now after the broken jaw injury, but we were seeing that at the United Center, just everyone understanding that he's the guy with the puck. He's accelerating. He's got an opportunity to score. And when it cashes in, it's just it's it's audio gold. Again, it's just this slow, elevated roar of the crowd, and then... Everyone pauses when he shoots, and then if it does find the back of the net, it's it's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, we'll talk more about this game, though. Again, 312-981-7200 if you'd like to call or if you'd like to text. 3 nothing lost to the Buffalo Sabres. I do want to get some of these stats out of the way. Uh, again, they're rough ones. They're, they're all going against the Hawks. As I mentioned earlier, the Hawks have scored just one goal or less in regulation in five straight games, and they've done that in eight out of their last ten. The Hawks are shut out for the fourth time this season after a 3 nothing loss to Buffalo. you got to give some credit, though, to the Sabres and their goaltender, Uka Pe- Uko Pekka-Lukinen. I knew I was going to screw that one up, or as uh, me and John Weideman have been calling him, UPL. But uh, Uko Pekka-Lukinen has been on quite a run. He's now picked up back-to-back shutouts after the Sabres shut out the uh, San Jose Sharks on Sunday. Uko Pekalukinen also has only allowed seven goals in his last six games. That was his third shutout of the year already before the All-Star break. He's been on quite a run, and uh, second time he's done well against the Blackhawks as well. Tonight's Player with the Most Heart is sponsored by Northwestern Medicine. Northwestern Medicine is home to the state's leading heart and vascular program, top ranked for 16 straight years by U.S. News and World Report. I'll give it to Arvid Sutterbloom. Thought he had a solid night. Again, you see a 3 nothing final on the score sheet. Uh, it doesn't really tell the story for the Hawks goaltender, though. 
as he definitely did a good job of keeping the Hawks hit in the first period as they were outshot 14-4. to And Sutterbloom ends with 25 saves in tonight's game. I, I, I will go down the goals, though, that he coughed up because the first goal... Can't really knock him on it. A Zemgis Gergensen redirection right in front of the net. Not much he can do there as Gergensen just got the perfect stick placement on the puck. And again, every time a goal happens, I hear it from John and Troy. And then about 18 seconds later, it happens on the television screen. So I'm able to pay more attention to the TV broadcast at that point. And it's always great to get both analysis uh, from Troy Murray and from Darren Pang. And Darren Pang brought up a good point on the slow motion replay that Arvid Sutterbloom's glove was just basically waiting for that puck. And then Zemgis Gergensen is able to poke his stick so perfectly, so subtly, that it changed the direction of the puck just by a couple of inches. And it almost seemed like one of those situations where a little bit of a redirection played more of a factor than a big redirection. If it's a big, egregious redirection, maybe Sutterbloom's able to get his pad on it. Maybe he's able to read the play a little bit more because it's taken such a a difference of a steer or a turn, but because it moved just a little bit, it was able to slip underneath his glove through the five-hole and give Buffalo a one nothing lead. You also got to credit the Sabres for making that happen. They continued with a stronger push than the Hawks at that point. The Hawks actually outshot Buffalo in that second period, but uh, clearly wasn't enough. The second goal by J.J. Paterka, and we kind of talked a little bit about it with Troy. If you didn't see it, Paterka is behind the goal line, and he just flips up an incredibly tough angle shot. It goes off the side, the right side of Arvid Sutterbloom's mask, basically his ear, and it slips in past. And Troy's right. If Connor Bedard scores that goal... We're nonstop talking about that. We're just oozing about it. And I, I was kind of interested to hear Panger's assessment on the goal, and, and he brought up, I, I think what he was trying to say was basically, the odds are not in the shooter's favor for that puck to go in, yet it found a way in. So I think maybe that's the approach he's taking, that a goaltender might take that a little bit more personally because it just went in in such a, a wacky and wild way. But like I asked Troy, what can Sutterbloom do differently there? Is he supposed to put his head right next to the post and make sure that that one doesn't sneak through? Because I highly doubt that's one of the things he's thinking about, that, oh, i, I got to watch to make sure Paterka doesn't flip this one near my ear. Uh, the rest of his positioning was there. And as Troy mentioned, you know, are you, are you maybe not supposed to be in the butterfly stance there? Well, okay, if you're not and you're hugging that post a little bit closer and you're kind of positioning yourself or you're wrapped around it, what happens if Paterka sends a pass, a centering pass, or over to the other side of the ice? You're leaving that spot of the net wide open. And then the third goal by Rasmus Dahlin takes an unfortunate bounce. It happened on the Philip Kurashev major penalty. So the Hawks are already not only down by a couple of goals, but now down a player on the man, or I should say on the penalty kill. So they're at a desperate mode of playing hockey at that point. And we've talked so much about Alex Lasik's ability to use his long reach, use his long wingspan to his advantage. And all he's trying to do there is break up the play. Yet it's one of those friendly fire, unfortunate bounces where it goes past Arvid Sutterbloom. So those are the three goals that happen. The only goal that, you know, might be up to discretion is the second one. And again, that's only if you look at it a totally different way. Even if that was 100% Sutterbloom's fault, which again, I think you're kind of going out on a limb to say that, this is a totally different conversation about Arvid Sutterbloom's play in this game compared to what we were dealing with before. Troy even said himself, after the St. Louis game, the last game before Christmas, you know, the Hawks blow a multi-goal lead in the third period in St. Louis. Probably the the roughest period for Arvid Sutterbloom, I don't even want to say this year, but maybe his NHL career. There were a lot of people frustrated with his play, and a lot of people wanted to see him get moved down to Rockford. And I think a lot of people would understand if that ended up happening. The Hawks didn't do that. Now, whether they didn't do that because they thought it was the right path for Arvid Sutterbloom, or they didn't do that because 
the guys they might have to rely on aren't quite ready to come up to the NHL. Either way, it seems like it's worked out. It's only been three games. I asked Luke Richardson about this in practice, and his answer was more towards how Peter Morazic's played. But it just seemed like the perfect move for the Hawks to keep confidence, or at least a little bit of confidence alive for Arvid Soderblom. It's almost like a candle that's about to blow out, but it's it's just hanging on with a little blue flickering flame, not that big golden one that... You know, is is so appeasing and keeps keeps the candle worth it's it's that little one that okay is this one done yet or do do we need to throw it out that might be exactly what Arvid Sutterbloom needed to just kind of coast through these struggles right now and again it works out in Peter Mrazek's favor as well because he's on such a roll he's playing in back to back games and he just kind of keeps getting rewarded for this positive play now we're kind of in the situation wondering, are the Hawks going to extend Peter Morazic? There's been so much of that going on with Nick Foligno and Jason Dickinson, which we will talk about later on in this postgame show because we got a bunch of time to do it. Again, taking you up to 9.30 tonight after this 3 nothing loss to the Buffalo Sabres. But it does seem like it was the right move. And again, maybe if they got a different guy in Rockford who's either a little bit older than Drew Camesso or a little bit more consistent than Jackson Stauber, maybe we don't see Arvid Soderblom. But the fact that right now it's worked out, them keeping him here, I think is a good sign. And again, I, I'm never bringing up this argument to just be an Arvid Sutterbloom stan and just say, you guys need to be more patient with this guy. It's just sometimes you got to look at all the factors that are playing out and all the reasoning for decisions. And and, and I don't think this is the Hawks being stubborn and, and saying, oh, no, there's still a lot left in Arvid Sutterbloom's game. We need to be patient with them. Maybe they were having the same types of second-guessing that you were about Sutterbloom being moved down. But... Whether it was Jimmy Waite, whether it was Kyle Davidson, whether it was Luke Richardson, whether it was a combination of the three or all three, it ends up seeming like it was the right move. So I think you got to give the Hawks credit. Um, again, that's unfortunately really the only positive to, to pull from this one. That makes it now three straight solid performances for Arvid Sutterbloom. And look at it. He's going to get the night off tomorrow. Peter Mrazek will be back against the New York Islanders. I don't know that 100%, but I, I would definitely believe that that would be the case. Um, hardly do we ever see goalies play in back-to-back games anymore. And uh, not to mention, Peter Mrazek has been playing stellar. Uh, I'm going to pull a page out of the NBC Sports Chicago pregame show, because I saw that they were playing this game. I, I forget what the name of the game was, but they were basically asking... Is Peter Mrazek the next Blackhawk to sign an extension with the team? Yes or no? Kaylee Chelios, Charlie Romeliotis, and Tony Granato. By the way, great to see Tony Granato back in the public where he needs to be. Unfortunately, dealing with cancer right now. Sporting a new look. He's got the uh, Troy Murray, Darren Pang look. The tough look with the shaved head. But great to see him spreading his hockey knowledge and just bringing that positive force that he always does. They all said Yes, they think that Peter Mrazek might be the next guy to sign an extension with the Hawks. While I can see that happening, and frankly, I think it would make a lot of sense, I don't want to go on record to say I would like to see it happen, because who knows, maybe the Hawks trade Peter Mrazek, maybe that ends up being a great uh, trade piece and and what they get in return, but you don't know that for a fact. I'm very curious to see if they'll do something like sign a young guy like Alex Vlasic. And the only reason I bring that up is because how much he's been playing, how much they're relying on him, how much responsibility they've been giving him. If you haven't noticed, he's been playing on the power play lately. He's been paired with Seth Jones. He's been paired on the power play with Seth Jones. And they just seem to really trust and enjoy his game. And rightly so, too. He's done all the right things. Uh, He seems to bring it personality-wise as well. He's done a great job of uh, just doing and saying the right things. So that's my wild card suggestion, that maybe Alex Vlasic would be the next guy to sign an extension. In terms of the Nick Foligno and Jason Dickinson extensions, I, I think I've pretty much been on record about this. We talked about it on Blackhawks Live, but definitely seems like the right move by the Hawks. Definitely cool to see both those guys get rewarded for their type of play. And I I don't know if 
my thought process would be the same if the Hawks still weren't stocked up on draft capital like they are right now. They've got two first-round picks for the next two years. And actually, our producer, Alan Poppy, was talking about this before the game, that if you haven't noticed, right now, the Tampa Bay Lightning are actually, if, if the... They've got, they're at what, number 14 in terms of the draft rankings. I know it's a lottery. I know things can change. But don't forget that first round pick that the Blackhawks have at the Tampa Bay Lightning is top 10 protected. So if the Lightning were to drop off and, and fall further down in the standings and uh, the Hawks would lose that top 10 protected pick, they obviously still have their own first round pick from their own side of things. But then all of a sudden we're talking about three first round picks next year. I don't want to get too deep into this because it's a ton of hypotheticals and we're, I, I really don't want to talk about the draft two years from now but with all this hype on Macklin Celebrini, I almost wonder does it does it have the Bedard factor like it did last year where because it's Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli and well, Leo Carlson actually went in front of Fantilli but because the NHL draft this past year was so top loaded, that was another big reason for the Hawks to stockpile as many draft picks as they could because not only was it a deep draft but after those guys you know the fifth sixth seventh round picks those guys would typically be higher up in the draft so is it another situation now I haven't looked too deep into this upcoming year's draft but does it just kind of stop at Macklin Celebrini or does it keep going again I don't want to get into draft lottery situations and where the Hawks chances lie because I, I just don't think we're at that stage of the rebuild anymore. Sure, it'd be great. Sure, it'd be fun and, and nice and exciting to do this whole thing all over again if the Hawks were to land Macklin Celebrini. But I, I don't want to go down that road just yet um, because the Hawks are in a different state in this rebuild. I know it's only year two. But we're now looking at things with different expectations and looking at different goals. And back to the original point, I know it's been a little, little long-winded, but guys like Nick Felino and Jason Dickinson are getting rewarded for what they're doing this year on this team. And they're both taking advantage of opportunities that they wouldn't be getting with other teams. And the fact that they're getting rewarded for it with these extensions, I think is a great message to show throughout the rest of the roster and to the youngsters, too, that this is what this Blackhawks regime is going for. Hardworking guys, gritty players, Guys that will understand their role, play their role, and do what's right for the rest of the team. And for the most part, the Hawks do have players that do that. Sometimes the execution might not be there like it wasn't there tonight. But in the in the conversation of the last six games, uh, six of seven, I guess, when you include this one, that we've seen the complete work ethic trending in the right direction for this team, that seems to be the right trend that this organization is going for. Again, we saw it a lot more last year. Luke Richardson did a great job of getting those guys revved up, motivated to play, play a hard game. We're getting back to that a little bit more consistently this year with this Blackhawks team, but not quite there. However, I think overall, big picture, it has been going better, and it'll also be interesting to see if it can continue when guys like Connor Bedard and Nick Felino start to come back. Uh, hey, listen, 312-981-7200. If you'd like to join, this doesn't have to be all me. Uh, you can call or you can text. We will talk a little bit more about this 3 nothing loss to the Buffalo Sabres. Later on, we'll take a look around the league to 11 games in the NHL tonight. A bunch more to get to on the Blackhawks postgame show. Again, 312-981-7200. Help me out here. Blackhawks postgame show, 720 WGN. Lassick pokes it away now from Owen Power over to Sanford along the right boards, and he'll scoop it to center ice. Kachuk's got it. Breaks into the Sabre zone down the left wing. Put it out in front. Oh, and a pipe blank shot from Reese Johnson is turned out of there by Lukanen. Reese had an excellent chance to shoot and score, and he got the shot away, but Lukanen got the pads in front of that somehow. <laughs> That's our Save of the Game tonight, which is sponsored by ComEd Financial Assistance Programs. Harvard Sutterbloom, probably the only positive to pull from this one. Hawks fall to the Buffalo Sabres 3 to nothing tonight out of the Key Bank Center in Buffalo. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks postgame show. We're taking you up to 9.30 tonight as the Hawks get shut out in Buffalo. They end up losing the season series two games to none. 
Buffalo picked up a 3-2 victory against the Hawks at the United Center back on November 19th. And as John Weideman mentioned at the end of the broadcast, six straight wins for the Buffalo Sabres over the Blackhawks. Arvid Sutterbloom, though, made a mistake. Actually, 28 saves for Arvid Sutterbloom tonight. I guess I didn't have the final score sheet refreshed when I mentioned it the last time. But again, that's now three straight solid performances for Arvid Sutterbloom after the very rough one he had against the St. Louis Blues, the final game before the Christmas holiday. Uh, and, and if I think back on it, it almost feels like eight consecutive really solid periods for Arvid Sutterbloom. I remember his first game back against the Nashville Predators, and that was his first start back, I should say, because he did finish the game against the Dallas Stars, one of the rougher losses for the Hawks this year. Coughed up a couple of goals, but it a situation where he really can't succeed there. First start back, it was against the Nashville Predators. He gave up a soft goal. After that, he was great. He he really improved. And then I'm trying to remember the middle game, but it it kind of escapes me right now. Again, doing a lot of tap dancing tonight. 312-981-7200 if you'd like to join us. You can call or you could text. But again, eight solid straight periods, three solid games in a row for Arvid Sutterbloom. Good to see, especially with it being complimented way, while Peter Morazic continues to do his thing. Who knows what will be the outcome for Peter Morazic by the end of this year, if he's on another team, if he ends up signing an extension with the Hawks. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just becomes a free agent and signs with another team. Either way, it looks like it was a very solid move pulled by Kyle Davidson that day earning a third first-round draft pick a couple of years ago to take Peter Morazic off of Toronto's books, give him a place to play consistently, and he has really thrived, especially this year. I mean, he was solid last year dealing with some injuries, but doing fantastic this season, uh, getting a lot of consistent play. Uh, Dexter and Bolingbrook texting in. Again, 312-981-7200 if you'd like to join us. Joe, weren't the Blackhawks losing when they were healthy also? Remember, they haven't been in the playoffs since 2017. No, that's you're absolutely right, Dexter. I'm, I'm, if I gave off the impression that I'm trying to hide that fact, uh, I apologize. But it hasn't been so much the wins and losses. It's just been a a more solid play for this team, excluding tonight. Six out of the last seven games since Connor Bedard went down, this team was playing a much more structured game, a much more simpler game, and a more solid game. Now, that being said, they still haven't come across many goals. You have to go all the way back to the Calgary game on Sunday, January 7th, to find the last game where the Hawks scored more than a goal in regulation. It kind of started in the... New York Rangers game at Madison Square Garden on January 4th. The Jersey game was the night after that where Bedard goes down and then Felino tries to defend his teammate and then he goes down. But that was kind of the start of the trend of this team putting together a more solid 60-minute effort. That became consistent. That became a nice change of pace for this team. And after a win against Calgary, you thought, okay, maybe this team could just not even go on a little bit of a run, but just gain some momentum. And that seemed to be the case. The ironic thing was they didn't pick up a win until the game against San Jose on Tuesday where they didn't play that great. And Luke Richardson was first to say that, too, in some of the media scrums before tonight's game. But again, it's it's the fact that they found a way to win. That is another positive trait. That's something you want to see from a team. Even if they don't play in a great game, you got to give them credit for gutting out a win. And like I said in the pregame show, if you're not happy about a loss after a game where you do outplay the opponent, you can't totally sulk on a win when you get outplayed either. Because you just can't have it both those ways. You can't you can't live in constant negativity like that. And I don't mean this so much for the fans that I do this young team that is trying to build and instill a good, solid foundation in the dressing room to move forward. Again, that's why Luke Richardson was brought in. And that's why last season was so encouraging to see what he was able to do with a roster that was up against a lot of stiff competition almost on a nightly basis. We talked a lot in the earlier segment about how Nick Felino and Jason Dickinson being rewarded for their type of play just gives the Blackhawks a different aspect to look at this rebuild. The other thing I, I brought up to Troy Murray 
uh, right after Nick Foligno had signed his extension was, it's kind of cool to see these other pieces come in, even if it's just for two years with Foligno and Dickinson. And, you know, the Hawks competition level might not be exactly at its peak at that point. It's cool to see these other pieces come in because it starts with just the general manager, Kyle Davidson, getting the job and declaring a rebuild. He's got to have the front office's faith. He's got to have the owner's faith. And he got it. But it starts with him. It starts with, for lack of a better word or term, one guy. Now it's moved a little bit further because they get their head coach in Luke Richardson. They land the draft rights for Connor Bedard. Before that, they picked up Kevin Korchinski, Frank Nazar, Sam Renzel, all other pieces of this rebuild. Now they're going at quality NHL talent that can benefit the team right now. Guys like Nick Foligno, guys like Jason Dickinson. And why? Because of what they've done on the ice this year for this Hawks team. Nick Foligno always says the right things, and this was definitely shown when he chatted with the media for the first time after signing his extension and just talks about the current state of this Blackhawks team. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of craziness at the start of the year that uh, you know, you're just trying to work your way through, but I think... When I even when I signed in the summer, you know, I'm, in my eyes, I was looking at this as an opportunity to really, you know, see it through. And I, I had no expectations. I think that's sometimes the best thing to have is just come in here with a, a clean slate and and just be who you are genuinely and, and really get to know the heart of guys and and what's you know who who's in it, who's in it for the right reasons. And and honestly, everybody is. You know, there's there's not there's a lot of guys that that want to see us turn the corner here, that want to get better, that you know genuinely want to see the success happen. And you know, we got a great player in Connor Bedard that kind of leads the way in that. He wants to be a winner, and you know, it trickles into the room that way. And there's some great young talent. There's some great, you know, you've seen the emergence of Jason Dickinson, who's been outstanding and is a big, big part of this, and a guy that I want to go to war with a lot more, and uh, and hopefully we'll be able to. And um, so it's been neat for me to see the pieces that are already in here, and we just got to, you know, bring that out of more, out of guys more. And and so that's where I get excited about, um, you know, seeing uh, that and and making sure that we have that mindset and, and, you know, and continue to push in that way. For your career, I mean, like last year with Boston, you're down at 12 minutes on a loaded team. You're up to like 16 or 17. Yeah. Still got it. Exactly. I mean, you still got it. One game you played 23. You got a lot of gas left. I do. And and that's, I think, where I've seen my career. There's roles you need to play on certain teams, right? And you have to be accepting of that role. Listen, I went to Boston. They had a good thing going. You're just trying to fit in and, hey, we're going to go and try and win this thing. And so you're you're happy to help in that room. That's where I'm needed, right? So you play there. And, yeah, there's maybe more you feel that you can give, but that's that's the sacrifice and the commitment you make to that group. And there's other things you can do off the ice or on it as well that within those 12 minutes, I mean, that's you got to give everything you have. And that's the mindset here is, all right, who's, what roles are guys going to fall into? What What is it that you're going to do to help the Chicago Blackhawks become an elite team? And not every guy gets to play 20 minutes a night. It's a privilege to play that. It's a responsibility to play that. You know, there's the great players, they make it look easy because they have the understanding that they, they make a difference every time they step on the ice. And, and But if you're a 10-minute guy, what is that 10 minutes going to do for our club? If you're a 15-minute guy, what's that going to do? If you're a backup goalie, if you're a seventh defenseman. So when you have guys understanding and believing in their roles and why you're doing it and the success you're having – then you start to get on a roll, and really, you know, no pun intended, but that's really what it is. It's it's that that mindset, that attitude, and for me, I, I think I've seen a lot of different roles and played in a lot of different roles, and appreciate what those mean. And wherever you're needed, you slot in. And I think if you have that from your veteran guys or your your leaders, it trickles on down the lineup. And you know, our group is learning and is going to understand, you know, where they slot in and. Either you're going to be a part of it or you're not. And that's kind of the, the, the way we have to get going here, right, is, is we're, we're building towards something. And that's, you know, guys are going to either grab a hold of it or another guy's going to come in and do your job. That was the beginning of Nick Felino's press conference after signing an extension, a two-year extension at $8.5 million. And uh, we've got more of that. Not sure if we'll get to it, though. We do have some post-game sound. Looks like Alex Vlasic and the head coach Luke Richardson chatted with whatever media was out there in Buffalo. Again, hope the Hawks are able to get back safely and efficiently because the travel hiccups and setbacks and speed bumps that they've had this year has, has really been uh, quite surprising and just quite unpredictable. 312-981-7200. If you'd like to join us, you can call or you could text. Uh, Rich is calling in and wants to talk about the defense. Go ahead, Rich. Yeah, 
I just think back from when the Blackhawks signed the flower and he was stopping 40, 50 goals a night, you would have thought that they would have fixed the defense by now and had some structure on the defense. This is all management's fault for not fixing the defense. You can toy around with offense all day long, but if you don't have Connor Murphy's back there um, and offensive defensemen like Seth Jones all day long, you're going to lose almost every night, whether no matter who the goalie is. That's that's all I had to say on that. Well, Rich, real quick, are, are you frustrated with this current front office structuring the defense? Yes. Okay. Yes. Do you do you have yes. faith in some of the young guys that they drafted, like Alex Vlasic? Yes, I like what I'm seeing, but it is just not clicking. It's not clicking, is what I'm saying, and it hasn't clicked since the flower was in net. No, I I, I get that, what but I'm but saying is is you. But do you do you understand, Rich? You are talking about two like basically. There's that is where the difference of the two front offices, that, that's that's the year you're talking about. I mean, Stan Bowman was let go that year, the year they had Marc-Andre Fleury. They didn't have the general manager until the spring of that same year. Kyle Davidson takes over. He declares rebuild. He kind of resets where the defense is because, listen, I get it. The way that Kyle Davidson looks at defense and the way Stan Bowman looks at defense are two totally different aspects. Bowman was more of the offensively skilled defensive guys. He thought the league was going towards more a puck-handling way. Kyle Davidson is more of an old-school thinking in terms of the defensive unit. That's why there's guys like Vlasic and Phillips and Crevier, you know, big guys. Darren Pang calls them Redwoods, out there on the ice playing defense. I mean, do you like to see that style of defense more than the one that Stan Bowman was going after? The one that Stan Bowman era was a lot more structured, but they let in a lot of goals also. Um, I just want to see more strength in the defense. That's all. Um, Seth Jones, he shows up most nights, but most other nights he doesn't. Uh, he needs to get involved more on the offensive side, I think, because he does have some offensive skill. Keep Connor back, in, you know, in the back. He does his job, but other than them two, I. I don't see anything clicking with the other younger guys. That's just my opinion. Wow, nothing at all. I mean, you do. Do you like Vlasic though? Hus- hustling all day long is fine. That's what they're paid to do. I want to see more. I want to see some offensive, uh, other than Seth Jones going into the offensive side. Okay. I want to see other defensive join the offensive rush. Okay. All right. Hey, Rich. Thank you very much for the call. Don't be a stranger. Thank you, guys. You guys do a great job. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. That's Rich. If you'd like to join us, 312-981-7200. Quickly at the text line from the 773 area code. Great program, hardworking game, and good goaltending by Sutterbloom. Thank you very much. 773 from the 269. Um, This player speaking is amazing. Perfect team leader. Go Blackhawks. Yeah, that that was Nick Foligno. We just played a large chunk of Nick Foligno's press conference, and yeah, I I totally agree. He just not only always has the right thing to say, but anything he says just turns into content. And I don't even mean that from the media aspect, even though that's, that's basically what it is. It's just the fact that Everything he says has value and has a good reason why he's saying it and makes sense and comes from a a complete, thorough thought. It just seems like such a perfect guy to have in that dressing room right now to deal with a lot of the young players. I I do kind of disagree with Rich. I I understand frustration in the defense right now. I know it's not perfect. I, I do think, though, that the transitioning of defense with this Blackhawks team is in a better spot with this front office and the way they're going because the NHL is more of a, a tough and bruising game that than where the Hawks' defense was going in the previous regime. And I would like to see guys like Vlasic, Crevier, Phillips, uh, I know Ethan Del Mastro's down in the system too, but, but have that support, have that defensive support, and then have offensively skilled guys like Seth Jones, like Kevin Korchinski. I mean, Korchinski's more of the guy I think that Rich is looking for. And just remember, Korchinski's 19 years old. 
give him a couple years in this league, and he's really going to be able to get a lot more comfortable and confident in his own game. Uh, we got to get to another break. Hawks fall to the Buffalo Sabres 3 to nothing. See another call coming in, 312-981-7200 if you'd like to join us. We'll hear from Alex Vlasic when we come back. Blackhawks postgame show, 720 WGN. Paige Thompson moves it across to Tuck at the right point. But down to Middlestad along the right boards to Darlene in the high slot. He sent it down toward the net. They score. And I believe Zach Benson may get credit for this goal. Actually, this is going to be Darlene's goal. The puck hit Jace, Jacob Magnus stick and deflected past Soderblom. It's a power play goal and now 3-0 Buffalo. That ended up being the final goal of the game, a 3-0 victory for the Buffalo Sabres. Buffalo picks up its second straight shutout for the Hawks, their 16th straight road loss. They'll have four chances to end that skid next week. They take that Western Canadian road trip beginning on Monday before the All-Star break, taking on Vancouver, Seattle, Edmonton, and Calgary all on the road. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks post game show, taking you up to 9:30 before John Landecker here on 720 WGN. Uh, really quick, the text line, and again 312-981-7200 if you'd like to join us. This is not easy for the fans, the players, the announcers, or the Joe Brands. Kudos to guys like Nick Felino for the great attitude of patience and positivity. No, I totally agree. Felino is definitely a guy that just gets it. And, and understands his role and understands where this team is at and is just trying to find ways to be valuable. And that's a, a huge piece that this Hawks team just acquired for two more years, signing the extension. We'll go to the phone line. John is, actually, I don't know if he's in Rockford. I think he just wants to talk about Rockford. Go ahead, John. Yes, Joe. Uh, Joe, I grew up with the Hawks. Uh, back in the days when they had a, they had two young players, uh, Bobby Hall, the Golden Jet, and Stan Bakita. Uh, obviously, both Hall of Famers, numbers retired in the whole deal. Joe, I've, I I followed the Hawks pretty much my whole life since I was a kid, and I, I'd like to give a, I, I, with all due respect to the to the caller criticizing these young defensemen, I, I think he's he's totally wrong. Um, Joe, the defensemen of the future are here. Our best defenseman, frankly, is Alex Vlasic, and and statistically. I, if, if correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, he's the only. I think he's one of the few players on the team that has a plus-minus that's, that's actually a positive number. Troy brings uh, that up I all the he, time, and I think you're right. I'll get the exact number, but yes, yes, go yes, ahead, keep going, yes. John. Okay, so Joe, our, our, our best defenseman is Alex, followed probably by, by Kevin Korczynski and and uh, uh, Isaac Phillips, who played tonight, is also an excellent D-man, Joe. The defensemen of the future are here. All right, and, John. And my, yeah, go ahead. Yes, finish it up. And, and, yes. My, and the, my point is the defensemen of the future are here. We're waiting on the offensive guys to arrive. And, Joe, they may be here as, as early as mid-March after the college season, depending upon you know contractual agreements and all. All right. Hey, John, thank you very much for the call. Take care, okay? Talk to you soon, Joe. That is John, 312-981-7200, if you'd like to join us. Uh, appreciate the positivity there, John. And yes, Alex Vlasic, uh, plus seven, that might be, yeah, that was coming into tonight's game. Uh, taking a quick look to see what he was tonight. He was a minus one. So that goes down to a, a plus six. Oh, darn. The 22-year-old defenseman who often leads the team in time on ice. Tonight he was second with 22 minutes and 28 seconds, only behind Seth Jones, a plus six. I agree with John. The, the defensemen of the future are here. I think there's a few more pieces down in Rockford. But again, guys like Vlasic, Crevier, Phillips, Kevin Korczynski, and again, Korczynski's a different type of defender than the other guys I just mentioned. Uh, the Hawks are in a good spot. I do want to get to some sound from Alex Vlasic, and it sounds like we might not be able to hear the questions, but we can hear the answers. Here's the Blackhawks number 72. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think we came out pretty slow uh, right from the start. It was uh, it felt like nobody had, had jumped. Nobody was really ready to go, and uh, they like to play kind of a high-flying game, pretty pretty fast pace and we kind of played right into that we just uh, all around I think yeah we were kind of sluggish the whole game myself included I feel like a lot of us didn't really have our legs and we weren't ready to go from the start uh, 
Um, yeah, I mean, we got a couple power plays in the second, which was lucky. Um, you know, got to find a way to kind of get one of those in the back. And then I thought we uh, we had some good looks, but um, yeah, we just got to be sharper. I got to be I got to be better up top there. And um, I felt like we started to get um, you know more pucks than that in the first. We could have definitely capitalized on some of those chances. I thought you know we had a couple two on ones, uh, you know, short breaks like that that we just got to find a way to put it in the back of the net. Alex Vlasic talking with the media. Yeah, he after. played so well. I uh, feel bad. Uh, you know, the last two games he's been in, we kind of let him down. This one and the Nashville one. Um, you know, one of those, uh, the tip goal, I just, uh, you know, I didn't really know what to do on that one. I didn't want to, you know, cut in front of him at the last second and kind of screen him, but got to find a way to, you know, not let that guy get behind the net or something. And then, uh, you know, the one I tipped in was unfortunate. Obviously, you know, he'd like to. You know, he'd like to have that one back. I, f- I feel bad for that one. But, um, yeah, he kept us in there as much as he could. It's just kind of hard to win a game when you score zero goals. Alex Vlasic, after this 3 nothing loss to the Buffalo Sabres, really quick to the text line, and then we've got to get to our last break from the 6-3-0. Big Felino fan, and that sound bite perfectly encapsulates a solid rock of a leader. The Hawks have the right pieces, and we've had the privilege of witnessing them continue to build towards solving the puzzle. Nobody said it would be easy, but I like what I'm seeing for the long haul of this program. That's Steve from California. One more break, and we'll wrap this thing up. Blackhawks postgame show, 720 WGN. As the Islanders in the dying seconds of the man advantage, work it, center point for Riley's blast. They score! Anders Lee with the deflection in front, and the Islanders have tied this game at one on a red light for the captain. Chris King of WRHU. The New York Islanders coming to town tomorrow night at the United Center. That's our next game preview. Sponsored by Plumbers 911 Chicago, where they do it right. The first time. The Islanders on a three-game losing skid, 19-15-10. The Hawks hosting them tomorrow night. 7.30 puck drop, 7 o'clock pregame show right here on 720 WGN. That's going to do it for our postgame show. Blackhawks Hockey's been sponsored by Sitco. When you start with Sitco, you're good to go. United Airlines, your Chicago and Northwest Indiana Hyundai dealers, Plumbers 911 Chicago, where they do it right the first time, and Northwestern Medicine. Big thanks to all the help we had here at the WGN Studios, our production crew of Jack Heinrich and Alan Poppy. They were led by our engineer, the captain, Brett Jackson. John Weineman and Troy Murray had the call from Buffalo. I'm Joe Brand. Again, a 3 nothing loss to the Buffalo Sabres.